In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My late mother left behind a testament, a book-long memoir that tells the story of her life from there to here, which is the title. In reading it, I learned a lot that I hadn't known before including how she felt when she lost her firstborn child. She wrote this. The tiny baby girl was born the next morning and she never breathed. I was stunned and devastated. I had never experienced any real grief or loss in my young life. Faced with the classic problem of pain and evil, my gut feeling was that God must be crazy. I was not a witness to my sister's death at birth, but of course I don't doubt it. A lot of what we take for truth we learn from through another person's testimony. The Bible is a testament too. Reading it, we learn things about God that we would not have known. There are other ways we have of learning truth, observation, experimentation, inference from experience, and so forth. Compared to those ways, its testimony is more open to doubt. The Bible knows this. John, writing in the Bible, talks about it, suggesting that if we accept human testimony about this and that, as we do, then we have more reason to accept the testament of God. The testimony of God is greater, he says. You don't doubt that my mother lost a child because she told me and I just told you. It happened almost 80 years ago. My Aunt Bertie is alive and she remembers for verification we could ask her. John and his audience were closer in time to Jesus' life than you and I are to my sister's death. There were still some around who had been there. The question for doubters in, Jesus, in John's audience was not whether Jesus existed or did this or that. Their question was, is this the one for whom we waited? People had taken sides. When John said the testimony of God is greater than human testimony, I think he had miracles in mind. He called them signs. The signs were a testament too, God's testament on behalf of Jesus as his son. John calls Christ the word. In Christ, God is testifying, this is who I am. As my mother wrote papered words to tell us what was on her mind and in her heart, so God writes the word made flesh in Jesus to show his heart and mind. Those who believe this, John says, have the testimony in their hearts. Well, that is God's testament to the power of three, Scripture, Christ, and in our hearts. Karl Barth called this the threefold nature of the Word of God. When it speaks in our hearts, we are reborn. 
Of his disciples, Jesus counts heads and reports that none were lost with one exception, Judas. Of the rest, I protected them, he says. I guarded them. And now he prays that God will guard them after his departure. Whether God protects us was a question then, and it is a question now, on which people will take sides. That the world isn't safe, we know from observation. My mother lost that first baby and then two more. For all her love, she couldn't keep them safe. Christians have recently been killed in churches. If there is safety, it isn't obvious. So where was God? On the one hand, Jesus warned his followers that to follow him, they would put their lives at risk. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it, but if you give it up, you'll save it. On the other hand, he never showed indifference to their happiness or safety. We see him protect and guard his followers, curing illnesses and stopping their tormentors, including some who were getting ready to throw rocks. God is love, the scripture testifies. And where love is, there God is too. Thinking of my mother's loss, grief is one of love's intense expressions. In her grief, my mother spoke for God. A stillborn child is one of a hundred experiences that could be taken as a sign of something bad in God. Craziness, cruelty, indifference, non-existence, name your poison. But as the word of God unfolds through Christ in person, in scripture, and in our hearts, it testifies that God is not indifferent and is the opposite of cruel. We or something else can spoil, pollute, or break it bad, but only for a time. In Christ, our cruelest losses, sooner or late, will turn to gain. St. Paul lists some problems that were typical for early Christians, hardship, distress, persecution, famine, death by sword, and more. And all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He takes that for a fact, like laws in physics. Oh, we say, we hadn't known that. Now we do. My mother loved Julian of Norwich, the 14th century English mystic, famous for her deathbed experiences of Christ and for using feminine imagery for God. Julian wrote a memoir describing her experiences titled Revelations of Divine Love. Mothers give us life, nourishment, and safety. And Julian saw Christ as motherly like that, explaining, and I quote, It is a characteristic of God to overcome evil with good, Jesus Christ, therefore, who himself overcame evil with good, is our true mother. We received our being from him, and this is where his maternity starts. And with it comes the gentle protection and guard of love 
which will never cease to surround us. Just as God is our father, so God is also our mother. End quote. This truth makes us strong. Paul likens it to armor, the shield of faith, the helmet of hope, etc. In the South, the Civil Rights Movement was a powerful example. From prison, Martin Luther King spoke truth to danger. The cross we bear precedes the crown we wear, he said. In that strength, he led a peaceful revolution whose goal was the fulfillment of the American ideal illumined by the threefold word of God. King refused to make the white his enemy. Instead, the enemy was hatred and a polluted mindset that granted rights and measured human worth through a racial prism. Racist laws and customs long established, expressed, and fortified the mindset. Normally, hatred is answered in kind. King called his movement to rise above the normal pattern, and it did. King marched in the conviction that the human happiness of blacks and whites is mutually dependent. He put it this way. We must, all learn to give, live, we must all learn to live together as brothers or we will all perish together as fools. We are tied together in the single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. And whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. For some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, and vice versa. That was from a sermon to a mostly white audience at the National Cathedral less than a week before he died. The sermon was titled, Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution. So we are all in this together. How do we know this is true? The same way we know that life's risks are measured and that God is the opposite of cruel. These truths are threads running through the single garment of a healthy, Christ-illumined mindset. My mother's memoir is 435 pages long, chock full of testimony about family, politics, and events from Pearl Harbor to 9-11. Towards the end, she writes, if you are 18 years old and have been raised in a protected environment as I was, when you marry, you don't have any idea that life is a serious business. If you marry, conceive a child only to have her die at birth, and your husband goes off to war all within a period of 18 months, you learn all too soon what serious business it is. That is a good lesson that we can learn from hard experience. No longer naive, mother went on from there to probe it. Is it seriously this or seriously that? There are a lot of different ways that serious could cut. 
from Julian, she got further guidance. In prayer, Julian asked God to explain the meaning of their mystical encounter. She had pondered that for years until one day she said, I was answered by a spiritual understanding, and this is what she heard. Love was his meaning. Who showed it to you? Love. What did he show you? Love. Why did he show it? For love. And I saw most certainly in this and in everything that before God made us, he loved us. And this love never slackened and never shall. In this love, he has done all his works. And in this love, he has made all things profitable for us. And in this love, our life is everlasting. That is a truth beyond what experience alone could teach us. That life is seriously beautiful. Not like a pretty face or a sunset, but like a thrilling piece of music or a great novel rising to a surprising and deeply satisfying end. That is the story we belong to, all in it together. Mother died late on a Sunday afternoon at home on our farm in Louisiana. I was here for church that morning, having gotten word that she was failing and this might be it the day before. I had a wedding on Saturday night, so it was, do I stay or do I go? Given the uncertainty, it was a difficult decision. I stayed here for the wedding and for Sunday morning services and then drove hard five hours to the farm. My sisters were there and so was Aunt Bertie. Mother was still breathing slowly. She wanted all her children with her, and she was waiting for me.